We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon and welcome to uh, Inside the Huddle. We are wrapping up the uh, Indiana's double overtime loss at, uh, against Michigan yesterday. It was senior day. Another close call. I know uh, people are sick of uh, being so close, uh, but it was another close call, um, and, and we'll see what happens. There were a lot of encouraging things yesterday. Uh, TJ Inman, our co-host, is joining us. TJ, how are you today? I'm doing well, Sammy. I am uh, obviously disappointed, uh, like everyone else, with the final results. I mean, at, at, you know, at some point, you know, throughout the course of the game, you're thinking, you know, wow, hey, good. They're they're. I'll be honest. Before the game, I, I thought it was going to be uh, a fairly one-sided affair. I thought that uh, I thought it was a poor matchup for Indiana. I thought Michigan was going to uh, to be able to kind of have their way and, and win it fairly comfortably. Um, not a blowout, but kind of a, you know, 14, 17 point, uh, comfortable victory. So I, throughout the game, I was encouraged. I was thinking, Hey, you know, this is good. They're, they're battling again. And, but, but you're always thinking, you know, I've seen this movie before. I know how it ends. And it's, it's been that way for years. And, uh, you know, eventually you kind of believe with a couple minutes left when Indiana takes the lead, like, hey, this this is maybe actually happening this time. Uh, I think that we both and probably every IU fan knew, you know, there's a lot of time left on the clock. Michigan is going to get themselves in a position to score. It was just a matter of whether or not they'd actually, you know, punch it in and then whether or not, uh, you know, things – how they worked out in overtime. But you're right, another close call. People are sick of it. I know the players are sick of it. I felt really, really bad um, for the guys because, I, you know, we know how disappointing it is for us, but we have not invested the, you know, the sweat equity into it that they have. Uh, it's, it's clear that they've continued to battle. They have not just folded up the tent throughout the course of this, you know, brutal stretch of games against really highly ranked teams. Uh, they've continued to continue to fight. They've gotten close. And Mitchell Page said on the sideline, you know, the ESPN cameras captured it. After his pump return, you know, enough being close. No more just being close. And then, of course, it was Mitchell Page that uh, had the ball. On the final play of the game, uh, you know, hit him in the hands. It was a tough catch, but it's one that he'd tell you uh, he should make, and he didn't. And, uh, you know, his emotions came right out. He was uh, very emotional on the field. A number of guys were. 
I'm sure it was a, a tough scene in the locker room as you're doing interviews. Um, it, it's just a, it's a tough day, another one to come up close. But like you said, quite a few positives to take and a few negatives that, uh, you know, we'll talk about that uh, they just really need to be addressed because we're not seeing improvements, and that would be the secondary. Yeah, and, um, you know, TJ, going back into the game and, and you look at the three first-half field goals, um, there were some uh-huh. opportunities. IU left, uh, by my count, over 20 points on the field. Uh, they didn't cash in that turnover from Jordan Crawford. They had a chance to extend leads uh, and didn't do it. Uh, now, they played hard, and, and give them credit, they ran all over uh probably the best run defense in the nation. And they ran for, I I believe it was 307 yards. And Jordan Howard really uh, boosted his NFL stock. um, And it was a heroic performance from him. Uh, But, yeah, the the secondary uh, was lost. And, and, you know, something has to change. Maybe, you know, it's in the the staff back there. Because nobody's really progressed. You know, Jonathan Crawford had, had a pick. Uh, but it was a terrible uh, throw, and then he got—he made a bad play uh, there down on that Michigan final drive. I think it was a 48-yard throw, and, and Rudolph just threw it up, and yep. and uh, Crawford just, you know, lost it and turned the wrong way and turned around again another wrong way, um, and, and ended up being down at the two. Now it took him four plays to to punch it in, and maybe. In hindsight, you let them score there, and, and you give your offense a shot uh, for a field goal uh, with Griffin Oaks, who uh, Griffin Oaks has my my vote for for Big Ten uh, kicker of the year, um, or, or all Big Ten kicker. Uh, you know he's been awesome. Uh, he kicked a 52-yard field goal there in the first half that might have been good from 70. Uh, so, yeah. you know it, it's those first half field goals. I, I know I. Good Oaks is, but you got to turn those into touchdowns. Um, so you know we'll see. It, it's they're going in the right direction, and if you look at you know there's no timeline really other than you know that it's a process, and now they're losing games close, and it's frustrating. But that's part of the process. If you listen to all these older coaches who um, have built programs up, it's you lose big, you lose close, then you start to win a few of these games. And then you start to win big. And um, so hopefully it's a step in the process. I think it's a, a step in the right direction, as frustrating as it was. The students were into it. They stayed. They were ready to rush the field. You could see them moving down uh, in the stand. So uh, they're they're ready for their, their moment. Um, it won't be at home this year. But those the next two games, TJ, uh, Maryland and Purdue. I know Purdue might have lost Markel Jones. Um, which would be a big blow to them. Although Indiana's yep. run defense has been pretty pretty good, aside from uh, two long Rudock scrambles, uh, the r- run defense is pretty good. So it's it's solely on the secondary to, you know, carry this team and, and, and make some plays. Yeah, I you know there's there's things that can help out a secondary. One is a pass rush, which I use pass rush has not been good enough. It's not been terrible, uh, but it has not been good enough. You know, another thing that can help a secondary is, is a good run defense so that teams are forced into passing situations uh, and you kind of can make a team one-dimensional. And for the most part, 
Indiana's run defense has succeeded in that regard, which makes the failures of the secondary all the more frustrating um, because IU gets their defense into positions on third downs where you know the opponent has to pass. And still, time after time, the opponents are able to get first downs out of those. Uh, You know, one thing that just continues to bug me is, well, I I do not want to take anything away from Jake Rudock because he was really, really good yesterday, and it's the third straight game uh, that he's been very good. He got hurt against Minnesota, but up until he got hurt, he had played in a good game. He was nearly perfect against Rutgers, and then he was nearly perfect yesterday. So, you know, kudos to him. He's come a long way from what we saw early in the season. But time after time, we have seen quarterbacks have either very good days or career days against this Indiana defense. And the common thread is the IU secondary. You know, it's different quarterbacks, same IU secondary that continues to get abused. And at that point, you have to look at, okay, what what's going on here? Before the season, they made some tweaks to how they were coaching the secondary because they were not happy with the performance last season, understandably so. You know, they kind of merged the coaching of the corners and the safeties and, you know, made them a bigger responsibility for a, a couple different coaches. And it, it has not, um, you know, I know that these guys are very young, I know that they play a lot of freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen and true freshmen. I get that. There's a learning curve. But I could accept that if we saw, you know, against Michigan, it's better than it was against, say, um, you know, I I don't know, um, week number three, we'll say. And I I can't say that it is. If anything, it's gotten worse. Um, You know, against Western Kentucky, I would say that the Western Kentucky game is still probably the secondary's best day. Uh, and that was a while ago. So you would expect a very young group to get better. Uh, and it, it hasn't happened. And I, I think that I think there's talent there. Uh, I think there's reasons to be optimistic about things in the future if all these guys stick around uh, and grow to be sophomores and juniors. But for this year, you know, we look at the, the next two opponents, Maryland's passing game is awful. It is just, if they play Perry Hills, he is a terrible passer. He's a very dangerous runner, are. and that could, yeah, that, that could hurt IU. Perry Hills is a dangerous runner. Caleb Rowe, uh, not as dangerous a runner. I hope they play Caleb Rowe because, one, he turns the ball over all the time, and, two, he can't kill you with his legs. He's capable with his legs, but he can't kill you. Perry Hills can kill you with his legs. He, I would expect him, actually, if he plays the whole game, I would expect him to go somewhere around 100 to 150 on the ground. And really you're okay with that because you know he's not going to beat you with his arm. But they're going against IU's pass defense, which anybody apparently can beat. I mean, Wake Forest had a big quarter against IU's pass defense, and Wake Forest has not thrown on anybody since. And it's not surprising. I mean, they have a bad quarterback. So it's it's just really frustrating for me to see uh, really most facets of the game yesterday. You're right. There were some points left on the board. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, I think we need to acknowledge the Michigan defense is really good. The red zone defense for them is uh, one of the top ten red zone defenses in the country. So, you know, Indiana was able to get more red zone opportunities than anyone else has against Michigan all year. They were able to run the ball better than anyone has all year against Michigan, not even close, really. 
mean, IU had over 520 yards of offense, and they just decided to shove it down Michigan's throat, and they couldn't stop it. So I, I feel I feel like it's it's fair to say yes, the offense left points on the board, but the offense did more than enough to win that game in regulation. Uh, they really did. It, it was the pass defense allowing over 400 yards to Jake Rudock that, and at times there were windows that were, what what would you say, 10 yards, 15 yards wide open. I mean. He didn't have to be pinpoint accurate. Yeah, there there was a lot of uh, cushion, I will say. But, um, yeah, this secondary, there's been no progression, and you alluded to that. And that's that's the problem, you know. You, and, and they're stuck in these, you know, that they can never get all these people, all, all these defensive players, you know, at the same level at the same time. It, you know, the defense, uh, the defensive line and the linebackers, are, are playing pretty well. Um, you know, uh-huh. it, the the Michigan only ran for 140 yards. A, ha- a bunch of those. Rudock was the leading rusher, I think, with 70 yards. Uh, those yards came on on scrambles where he saw an opening and, and ran. Yep. So, you know, aside you know aside from you know they held a, a Davion Smith to 58 yards. Uh, the yep. fullback he had, he had to 17 one good yards. Yeah, Smith had one good yeah, run uh, in the fourth quarter where he run over a few, ran over a few people, and you kind of thought, oh, boy, the defense is getting gassed again, which shouldn't have been the case because IU did a really nice job of controlling the time of possession. Uh, I thought that the pace they played with on offense was, was really smart. Um, yeah, I thought they, the they offensive not... game plan was, was, yeah. was on point. Um, they came out yep. really aggressive. They, they ran tempo. Um, you know, yep. one thing I would change is, is uh, you know, I was talking to Matt Weaver about this, maybe get the play in sooner, and that's why there are so many false starts. It's it's hard to expect these mm-hmm. these guys who are, you know, 300-plus pounds to, to squat there for 30 seconds uh, without yep. getting a little jumpy. Um, but otherwise, oh, other than that, you know, they're – yeah, the, the game plan on offense was terrific. You know, they ran Howard – um, and he had, I believe, 238 yards rushing. He had three total touchdowns, uh, and, and he was awesome. And you could go back to that. You know, you know, we'll talk about that last play in the in the last, um, you know, four downs there. That last play, I don't think it was a bad play. The only change that I would have made was maybe make it a play action play because they're going to dive on that. IU at one point had run 18 straight times. Uh, and, and then they, you know, Sudfeld the almost, yeah. Yeah, almost took that read option in for a touchdown. He just got cut down at the two. And then, you know, you got to – I thought that I was think a good it, play call. It was a good play call. I like call. that, I I like that play call. I, I, that play I'm call surprised for Sudfeld that Michigan was, awesome. was able to – Yeah, I thought the Michigan uh, – and I don't remember the defender's name. I, I was – had a lot of thoughts going on in my head at that point in time. I don't remember the Michigan defender's name, but uh, he did a nice job, whoever the linebacker was, of kind of staying home on that, not diving in on uh, on Howard and, uh, you know, keying in on Sudfeld, making sure that he was able to uh, make a good enough tackle. It wasn't a form tackle by any means, but he was able to make a good enough tackle to keep Sudfeld's big frame out of the end zone. He did a nice job. Um, yeah, but uh, and, and another yeah, thing I want to talk about, TJ. Um, 
was after IU scored that touchdown to get within 21-16. I think there are 50 seconds left uh, in the end of the half, and Michigan drives down and gets a field goal, makes it 24-16. I also thought the officiating is brutal. Oh, man. Uh, The offensive pass interference call was a ticky-tack offensive pass interference call. What did did Booker do? I I don't understand. He he was – he was playing for IU. That's what he did. Um, you know, he, he donned the cream yeah. and crimson instead of the maize and blue, and, and apparently that's a penalty now. Um, so, you know, if it was a Michigan receiver or an Ohio State receiver or a Michigan State receiver, that's, you know, that's a, a, a play that goes uncalled. Um, you know, it's it's whatever. So that took him out of a, a first and goal situation that might have led to another touchdown. Uh, they did well, get fumble. three points out of it. And and the fumble on the kickoff, where you know they that's said the runner, the runner's progress was stopped. It might have been stopped yeah, for milliseconds, but the yeah, yeah, that's called so, being tackled. You know, he was on his way down. Yeah, and, and he was on his way down. The ball was out. IU, I believe, would have gotten the ball at the twenty-two going in. Yep, which clean is, recovery. That's yep. That's either another seven, you know, three to seven points there, and that would have tacked on to a lead and maybe made it a two-score game. Uh, instead of a one-score game. So, you know, Indiana, it, even without getting the breaks, they're right there. And and that's something that, you know, a, a lot of these times in the past, you saw it under Hep, under Lynch, um, and, and a little bit at the beginning of the Wilson era where they didn't get the breaks and the wheels would come off and they'd lose 55-10 or, yes. uh, or you know, something like that. So it's encouraging that they're they're in these games and they're just so close. But, um, yeah, the referees, you know, the Big Ten all around, you know, they need to get their act together. It, it's really, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but those are the calls that make me think that there's something going on um, and there's just too much money at stake. Uh, and you look at the end of the year and you go, that Ohio State-Michigan game, for the Big Ten East title, you know, that you Looks want them good. to be playing for the Big Ten East t- title. So, yep. and, and, you know, who cares if Indiana wins this game? And, you know, I, I know Indiana fans care. I care. You care. Uh, Nick cares. The players care. So, you yep. know, maybe at the, in the offseason they look at, at some of these, these officials uh, and how they train them, not only in the Big Ten, but around the country. Um, do you make them full-time employees? Do you pay them better? Do you, pay, you know, do you go through clinics? Do you have them, you know, ref other games uh, throughout the year and, and do stuff like that? But you know, it's embarrassing sometimes. Yes, I don't disagree with that at all. There was a call earlier in the day, uh, the Ohio State Illinois game. It did not have any impact on the final outcome. Ohio State dominated that one, but. Uh, there was a, I don't know, Ohio State was driving. Ezekiel Elliott had the ball. Uh, similar play to what we saw with Indiana-Michigan. Um, you know, he he was tackled. He was on his way down. Clearly had not hit yet. The ball was stripped out. Uh, Illinois had a clear recovery. The officials on the field uh, didn't really make a clear call. I believe that they said you know, they said the ruling on the field is that the player was down, the play is under review. They go review it for about two minutes. It's just plainly obvious that it was a fumble. Illinois recovered. Um, you know, I was watching a few other games, so I 
I was kind of flipping through, didn't even think to, to see whether or not it was going to be a review. I flipped back, the ref's coming out. He says, oh, the ruling on the field's been overturned. It's Ohio State ball. I, I mean, everybody was completely stunned, including Chris Spielman, who is, you know, a broadcaster that's former Ohio State player and kind of an Ohio State honk, but uh, he he was stunned as well. I, I just don't understand how consistent. And earlier in the season, there was a stat going around that Ohio State had yet to have an offensive holding call in, what was that, like 38 or 40 conference games straight or something? I mean, just stuff that yeah, it's it's you almost make you know it, you when you, make it up. Yeah, and and when you can give conspiracy theorists fuel like those stats and evidence, uh-huh. you know, of of clear replay plays that should be overturned, or bogus calls like the runners the progression was stopped, and that was a play that was uh, it, it is unreviewable. But there was yeah. a play at Michigan State where Mitchell Page fumbled the ball. They ruled yeah. him that his progress yeah. stopped, and then they reviewed it. So, um, you know, yep. it, it's there's stuff like that just feeds the fire on that. It, it's getting embarrassing with the, the referees. Um, and you know what? If, if they're not going to get replay right, just get rid of it. Uh, yesterday, it, you know, I know it was a, a two-overtime game, and, and that makes it last longer. But it, it was a, a four-hour and ten-minute game. Four hour. The yeah. overtimes went yeah. – you know, it, it, there's two overtimes there. So you're you're playing – uh, two extra, you know, maybe an extra 15 minutes. But there are several replay reviews. Um, you know, they they didn't review the kickoff, but, you know, let's get the call right. If you're going to use replay, get the call right. If you can't get the call right even with replay, just get rid of it because people are sick of these these games that go for four hours. And I know it's Saturday and you're at a game and all that stuff, but it's really boring to be at a game where it, it's there's no flow and um, you just can't get into it with a timeout, a TV timeout every, you know, every time somebody makes a, a play that that needs to be reviewed. Sure, sure. Yep, I I agree. I will will uh will stop Belly Aiken. You know, Michigan won, and that's you know good for them. They get to get to continue on and play for the Big East uh, Big East title here in a couple weeks against Ohio State, more than likely. So. Good for them. Um, and Indiana still still has a lot to play for. Obviously, you know the uh, the question of whether or not you extend Kevin Wilson is still up in the air. Uh, for me, um, the answer has become clear. When you, I understand if you're just looking at wins and losses, which I do not think is the way to evaluate your program when they've been this close against this many high caliber teams. Um, you know, if you had told me before the season that Indiana would uh, would have this many close games. I would have thought, yeah, they would have won one of them. And part of that, I understand. Part of that is on the coaches' staff. It is it is their job to win games. I totally understand that. I know that, and I I, I understand those that are strictly bottom line uh, wins and losses evaluators. I get that part of it. For me, I think that when you fire someone, you have to hire someone. And I do not see there being a clear upgrade than will well, I don't need to get off from the weeds anymore on this because we have all off season to talk about subjects like that. But I think that the the players are really fighting for this coaching staff and for Kevin Wilson and for each other. 
they they really feel strongly about turning this program around. They've done everything but, you know, they've done everything but get that marquee win. And uh, as a fan, I'm pulling for them, uh, pulling for IU football to win these last two games and get to a bowl game. As a a, a fan that has a very peripheral uh, interaction with these players, um, I'm pulling for them to get it because I know how much they care about turning this program around. And I, I want them to be rewarded for for coming this close to these big wins uh, with the bowl game, I, I think that they've so far. I think that they've they played hard enough to earn it. Uh, I think that for the most part they've played well enough to earn it. And I, I just hope that they come out against Maryland and against Purdue, uh, take out the frustration of these close losses on those two opponents. Uh, I don't, you know, I we've worried all season about can this team come back from an emotional loss like that. You know, we said it against against Rutgers when they blew the lead. We said it against uh, Michigan State when they fell apart late. Kind of said it after Iowa, but that wasn't that emotional. That was kind of a fairly straightforward, you know, they could have won that game, but it was, you know, not not a real gut check. Uh, now we're standing against Michigan. Can they fight back from another close loss? They've answered the bell every time. I don't see any reason why next week will be different in College Park. Yeah, and you know, to go back on on Wilson, I I do believe that uh in order to uh keep up recruiting, uh, you know, it's they're last in the Big 10 right now, so it's not much to to keep up with. Well, they actually might be 13th, but you know, they've done so much better than they have in the past and to have an extension in place uh or something will give him that much more leverage when talking to recruits that say, "Hey, I will be here when you're a junior or senior." Um, and it, right. you know, it, you know, kids they commit to to the coach, unfortunately. And yeah. if um, you know the coach is not going to be there in two years, it, it hurts their commitment. And high school coaches around in the area and high school coaches around the country know what's happening. You know, especially with websites like ours, with ESPN and and Bleacher Report and all those things, they know the scores. They know who's on the hot seat and and who's not. So, um, yeah. I think, you know, if there probably is an extension in place, it's probably not signed. Uh, but uh, I think if, if Indiana goes down to Mar- goes out to Maryland next week and just takes up out all their frustration over the past uh, six weeks uh, since the Ohio State game on them, uh, you know, it, it's – it wouldn't shock me if they announced an extension after that going into the Purdue game. Um, so we'll see. I, I think that you're right, TJ. They've answered the bell every single time. Uh, you know, we said it, you know, against Ohio State. They came out, yeah, but they didn't have Howard and Sudfeld. But they've played hard for the first, you know, 40 minutes of, of that game against Penn State. Um, then after Rutgers, which you could have – you know, they could have packed it in. They could have said, this is, that was it. You know, that was the game we had to yeah. win. We didn't win it. We blew a 25-point lead, and we're just going to pack it in. We're going to head up to East Lansing and just get demolished. Uh, and, you know, sure, it was 52-26, but the last five minutes that game got out of hand. And he said, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're done. They look crushed. They look defeated. Uh, they're done. They come out against Iowa, play well, take a lead. Uh, nearly get back into that game and and have a miracle chance to to tie it, 
Um, yeah. And then you said, oh, that's the straw involved, that's, yep. yep, that's the that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And then they answer the bell against Michigan, where you thought that maybe they're in the first half. Man, Michigan just didn't put them away, and Indiana came back with a great third quarter again. And uh, you yeah. know now they're starting to get better in the fourth quarter. So, you know, here we go again. How are they going to respond? I think that you know this team has answered the bell enough that they get the benefit of the doubt going into Maryland. Um, and, and we'll see. I'm ex- I'm excited for that game. I am after this. Uh, gonna we're gonna write up the wrap up piece, and I'm gonna take out the iPad and start watching Maryland tape. Um, so. Yeah. You know, I'm. There's two games left. I'm really excited for them. It's you know, hopefully IU brings their own energy. It, it can be a letdown game, just because these teams are not Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State. You know, this it's it's Maryland and, and Purdue. There should be no letdown whatsoever. It's a bucket game. If you can't get up for the bucket right. game, don't play college football. Um, so. Yep. You know, it, this is the game between the bucket game after an emotional loss. It's a, it's a classic trap game, uh, but I think Indiana has so much pent-up frustration, and, you know, that dam is about to break. And when it breaks and they put everything together, this team is going to roll. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what we're hoping for. You know, that's I think that we, we see it. We see it being really close, and it is. Um, I think you can say that a lot of times and fool yourself that, oh, if this just would have gone differently, then, you know, this and this and this could have happened. I mean, for IU against these top 20 opponents and really top 15 opponents, we don't have to make up narratives like that. It really is very close. I mean, it really is plays away. It's not, well, if these two plays were different, then maybe this would have been different and maybe this would have been different. No, it's just if these two right plays They're were going... different or against Michigan, if this one play would have been different, we're sitting here on this gorgeous, you know, gorgeous day here in Indiana, we're sitting here talking about one of the bigger wins that, that this program's had in the last 20 years uh, because if they get off the field in that fourth down, the game's over, and Indiana has, you know, defeated the top 15 Jim Harbaugh-led Michigan team. So they're right there. I mean, they are right, right there, and it's just going to be really important for them to keep that in mind this week that your goal of getting to a bowl game is still in front of you if you can take care of business these last two games. These are not going to be teams that are more talented than you are. They're not going to be teams that have, you know, a bunch of more highly recruited players than you. These are teams that are, quote-unquote, on your level, or I think in Purdue's case, you are more talented than on, you know, overall top to bottom of the roster. So the chance is there. The opportunity is there. Yes, there's heartache from that Michigan game. I get that. If you don't hurt after that game, then you probably don't care enough. Um, so I, I'm, might not I'm have excited. a soul or aren't a sports sure, fan. Sure, right, right. So I'm excited to see uh, not how these guys respond because I know how they're going to respond. If you can take history, I think they have a big enough sample size, like you said, to kind of know how they're going to respond, which is they're going to respond well. They're going to come out. They're going to try. And they're going to play hard. That's what they've done all season despite the, the frustrations. So I know that. I'm just, I'm just excited to see whether or not they can put enough things together in one game to get the win. That includes the secondary because if they get torched by Maryland's passing game, then they can get torched by just about anybody's passing game. They just have to be Might as well just play with, with seven guys on the field. 
Sure. I mean, they just have to be competent these next two weeks. And if the pass defense is competent, I think Indiana has enough pieces on offense and on their defensive front to get these two wins and get uh, get IU back to bowling. We'll see. You know, one game at a time. We're just going to talk about Maryland here um, on Wednesday's preview show. So, like you said, we'll uh, we'll study the tape and we'll study Maryland's tendencies and stats, and we'll we'll have the uh, have the preview show for you guys on Wednesday. So it's uh, I know everybody's everybody's uh, kind of hurting right now with the loss, the players included. They I know they're very emotional and understandably so. Um, it's it's just you've got to say we're really close. Like Mitchell Page said, enough being close. Let's put it together. Let's get these two wins. You do that, and this season is a success. And this these, this group of players will be able to say, we did it. We got the program back to a bowl game. Now we can focus on doing it two years in a row and making it a routine thing. So it's a huge two weeks coming up, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I, and it, it's, you know, it's the last two weeks, it's gone by so fast. You got two yeah. ten games left. Rivalry weekends always fun on Thanksgiving. Well, I wish it was a week earlier, a week later. I hate that it's on Thanksgiving weekend. Um, but TJ will be back on Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, Nick mm-hmm. can join us on Wednesday and and bring his insight. Uh, we'll have plenty of stuff. Uh, you'll have your Big Ten recap. There were some um, some decent games this week. Uh, we'll see. You know, Northwestern held on, and, and we'll see what you have to say in your uh, recap. Anyway, thanks for joining us on a Sunday. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, check back at Hoosier Huddle. We just posted our photo gallery from yesterday. Uh, we will have our game wrap and reaction uh, up after um, this afternoon, and uh, we'll get into Maryland week. Uh, thanks, TJ. Uh, have a great day, and we'll see you on Wednesday. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good week. That does it for our show. Uh, we will uh, get back at it in on Wednesday. Enjoy the, the rest of your weekend and uh, and NFL Sunday. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. 
That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.